Okay, what we're going to do today is, I'm aware we're halfway through a series on Hebrews. Who actually remembers that? Good. We are going to finish that. We're going to roll through that and get that done uh, by Easter. But before we jump into that, um, we're going to start something new here. So we've had our Christmas break. We had a good time over Christmas. Hope you're part of our Christmas kind of celebrations uh, that happened. But now we're in a new year in a new home. And I want to set out for a few, three weeks, the first three weeks before we get back into Hebrews, I want to set out some things for us as a church that are important to us to remind us as we move forward about how we do some of the things we hear, why we do them, and just to keep us all going in the same direction. Now, we've just had our Christmas period. I don't know what it's like for you at your Christmas at home and what's important to you on how you do Christmas at home. But in my household, we have some certain things that we do at Christmas time. It's just the way we do it. And I know every house is different, but this is how we do it because it's important to us. And this is um, our kind of thing at home. So in the morning, it's a sliding scale of when morning is with us. But the kids wake up and they have uh, stockings by their beds, which we have placed there with some little things in for them to open in the morning. Also, Melian and I have stockings. I suggested when we got married, however many years ago that was, 16 or 17 years ago, that actually there was only two of us, we had no children, what's the point of stockings? My wife almost wept in front of me, literally just wept. It's like, why would we not have stockings? I'm like, we haven't got kids yet. You know, but she said, we have to have stockings. So Melanie and I have stockings. So first thing in the morning, we wake up, the kids come in, they bring their stockings, we have our stockings, we open our presents. Then we go downstairs and we have a Christmas breakfast, um, which is usually something a bit special. This year, we were given, uh, by some friends of ours, Joe and Anna, we were given, um, as our Christmas gift as a family, a waffle maker. Which is pretty cool, isn't it? Asher calls it a waffle maker, but it's a waffle maker. And they gave us some mixture and some bits. So we had waffles in the morning on Christmas Day, which was a fantastic start of the day with chocolate and squiddy cream and fruit. Um, And then after that, we get ready. We get up, some family arrive who are coming to see us. We wait for the family to come. And then we did kind of some gifts that were under the tree. So they brought some gifts for us and the kids. And we had gifts for them. And we sort of did that kind of thing. Then we had Christmas lunch, which was an epic affair. We had chicken this year because we're like rebels like that. But we had chicken and ham, and it was an amazing lunch that Mel prepared. Then after lunch, what do you do? Queen's speech. Oh, yes, Her Majesty. We were actually a bit low. We had to catch up on iPlayer. But we caught it sort of that point in the afternoon. She did very well, I thought, um, for someone who's like 90 plus now. Um, so we did that. We have a lazy afternoon. Then we finally kick the kids into bed um, towards the end, uh, early evening time. And then what do you do after that? Cheese board. The che- I hate cheese, but cheese board comes out, and then we had the cheese board, and then we kind of roll into bed, and that's just the way we do it in our household. Those kind of things are important to us. We get to hang out, the food, the time together, the gifts, the spending time with family. That's the way it is, and what we're going to look at in this series is the things that are important to us as a church. We've called the series In This House, because in this house, in this church, in this place, there are certain things we value, and certain things are important, that's just why we're doing it. So it's a reminder for us as we go forward, this is what we do, this is why we do it, it's important to us. We don't use things just because we, we think they're good ideas, we think there's something intrinsically valuable about them, and that's what we're going to look through. So we're going to look at three of those things today. The first one we're going to look at is, in this house we have a God-given purpose and direction. We have a God-given purpose and direction. We're not just wandering aimlessly through life, thinking, you know, we just exist, 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 go through the motions every Sunday, da-da-da-da-da, until one day they close the doors or we die or something happens. No, we have a genuine 
purpose and direction given to us by God. Our purpose as a church, which we write up on the banner, which one's it on? I can't see. That one. It's on that one. We have this um, purpose that we've written as we started the church. We laid this out so everyone and I regularly remind us this is what it is. It's we believe real life is about having a relationship with Jesus, following the model of Jesus, and then changing our world with Jesus. It's all about him. Our direction in life is with him, for him, following him. It's all about Jesus. If you want to boil us down as a people to one word, it's Jesus. That's all we're about. We're all about him. We're all about making his name known, making his name great, celebrating who he is, what he's done. We believe what the Bible says about Jesus, that he was God, the son who came to earth. He was both fully God and fully man. He lived a perfect life on this earth, doing all the miraculous things, doing all those teachings we read about in the Bible. Totally sinless, the Bible describes him. He's perfect, did nothing wrong in any way. We believe he was the most important man who ever lived. What he said was of utmost importance to every human being who's ever lived in the world and still has relevance today and will continue to in the future. We believe that at the end of his life, he, he died in our place for our sins, all the wrong things we have done, even though he was perfect. But then we believe he rose bodily from death, rose from death, resurrections, what we celebrate particularly at Easter. But we also celebrate it every week. And then he ascended to his Father in heaven where he rules and reigns in majesty. And one day he will return to judge all mankind. We believe he's with us now by his Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with his people, the church. So he dwells in each of us as believers and also in his family, the church, together. That is what we're about. And our job as a church is to let everybody know about him. It starts with having a relationship ourselves. We have to know him personally. As a believer, that's what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. We then follow his model. We're shaped by how he lived, by what he did. The Holy Spirit works in us to conform us to his image, make us more like him. And then we communicate that and have an effect on the world around us, hopefully changing, the influencing the culture that we are a part of, wherever it is. And so that's our purpose, our direction. Where are we going? What are we trying to do as a church? Well, God spoke to us about three very specific things when we started the church, that we would be large, that we would be influential, and that we would be reproducing. And we believe these are biblical things, but they particularly have relevance to us um, as a people. And actually looking around for the large one, we have grown uh, numerically. And the reason we, we believe it's, it's important to us is because as we read the Bible and we follow this, the narrative of the Bible, we believe God has always wanted a people for himself to grow numerically large. If you go back to the beginning, you have Adam and Eve in the garden. God created them, perfect relationship with them. What's the first command he gives to them? multiply. I want more. Make me more. Have a bigger people who will know me and love me and have relations with me and, 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 and have my blessings on them. So they multiply and grow. Then it all goes wrong. With sin, everything breaks and it all falls apart. God then picks a man named Abraham and he comes to him and says, do you know what, Abraham? Through you, I'm going to bless the world. I'm going to bless you that you will be a blessing to others. You're your descendants will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Okay. So they grow, and if we follow the line of Genesis, you find out by the end of it, he's had a son and a grandson, and, they've, and then many sons, and they grow as they go down to Egypt. 400 years in Egypt, they grow into this great nation of Israel. They have multiplied, million plus of them. They come out of Egypt in the Exodus, plagues and Pharaoh and all that stuff, then settle in the promised land. God's like, okay, you're now my people in my place under my rule. But even at that point, the prophets are speaking to them and saying, it's not enough, it's not enough, there's going to be more. The nations, not just the, the direct descendants of Abraham, the ethnic people of Israel, no, there's going to be wider. Everyone's going to know about him, the prophets say. And then we get Jesus comes 
as God himself representing, saying the kingdom of God has come here. And he takes his followers and he, he trains them and he sends them out after his resurrection and says, you go into all the nations, tell everyone. And we read through the book of Acts and we see multiplication after multiplication, church plant, church plant, church plant. And it spreads throughout the entire known world. It gets to Rome, the center of the world at the time, the message of Jesus. And then we fast forward to the end of Revelation. What do we find? John says, the apostle John says, I saw before the throne a multitude that couldn't be numbered. Where is it from? Every tribe nation, people group under heaven. Everyone was represented. God wants a people for himself, a large people, and God has called us as a church to grow large in that context. We've had many prophetic words of the church, things we hold dear, where God has spoken to us about growing larger, growing numerically larger, getting bigger. Even last night, we were at home, kind of getting ready for bed, getting ready for what's happening here, and we've got a text message come through. One of the children of the church had told their parents and their brought it on to us that they were praying kind of before bed or chatting and basically said God has spoken to him and in fact we want to pass it on and it was actually God's going to give you bigger hearts in this place. God's going to grow you, not just numerically, but there's going to be a growth internally of God's heart for his people for this town, which I thought I'll take that. I'll say, yep, God, we're going to grow numerically, but there's actually going to be a growing of hearts and love for people. When we first arrived at the youth center where we met before this, there was about 45 of us when we left, we're kind of looking at 150 plus of us. So God is fulfilling his word to us to grow large. The second thing, that we would be influential. The storyline of the Bible is you see God has taken men and women time after time and used them for his kingdom and to be influential. And these mean men and women from all different kinds of backgrounds. Some very high kind of polluted, some very lowly in what they did. Yet God has taken them and used them to advance his purposes, advance his kingdom. We see Joseph as prime minister in Egypt, Daniel as an advisor in Baradon, Queen Esther in Persia, Nehemiah who was cupbearer to the king. They all held positions in worldly kind of power structures, normal jobs if you will. But God used them to advance his kingdom. And when he came, when Jesus came, what did he say to all his followers? He says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Well, what does that mean for us? If this means all of us, salt brings out flavor, so it changes something, you put salt on food, it also stops decay, light shines brightly, you cannot hide a light, once it's shining, it's out there, everyone sees it, and we are to be like that as the people of God, we're to be influential, and when God spoke to me about starting the church, and one of the passages he highlighted for me was the one in Jeremiah, chapter 29, which I've mentioned numerous times with you, but I'll keep doing because I feel it's so important for us, where Jeremiah um, speaks to the prophets in, uh, sorry, speaks to the people in exile in Babylon and says, this is what you're to be like when you're in exile. And the exile is a, a word the Bible uses for believers. We're exiles in this world, waiting for our home, which is in heaven. And he says to them, he says, you'll go and live in that place and you'll be good to that place. He says, you'll, you'll build homes and plant vineyards and take uh, wives and, uh, for your sons and daughters, wives and husbands for your sons and daughters and have grandchildren and, and you'll be a blessing on that place, that city where you are. We felt very strongly that as we started the church, we would be somewhere that would be a blessing to this place and we've sought to do that as much as we can. Whatever area of life you find yourself working in, whatever sphere of industry that is, Whatever this season of life has taken you, God has called you to be influential for his kingdom. And we can be influential as a big body, as a church. We can do stuff. We run events and contribute to the food bank, etc. But we can also be hugely, even more influential as individuals going around in the city. Because no one occupies your place in the world. 
No one occupies where you live, where you work, the friends you move in. It's your unique kind of mission field that God's given you, and we're called to be influential in that place. The last one is that we need to be reproducing. The model of Jesus himself is to grow and multiply. What did he do? First thing he said, he brought 12 guys together, said, I'm going to train you. When he'd gone about to ascend into heaven, he said, go out, train others. Train others. Multiply what you're doing more and more and more. And if we see the Apostle Paul, his life, we see him planting church after church after church, appointing elders in those church, churches and seeing them grow and establish and be healthy and strong. And that's what God has called us to be. And at right at the end of um, the last year, when we were at the youth center and saying goodbye to them, I, I had a list of names of people who'd been saved. We had multiple lists here. I've got Dave and Sam and Ness and Hannah and Sophia and Haley and Nikki. And even among the youth, we had Joel and Joel and Emily and Kaylee and Matt and Cassie and Josh and Amber and 12 other children who had been saved and lives transformed and made commitments to follow Jesus, which is what we're about. We want to reproduce ourselves. We've also baptized a whole bunch of people. I'm looking forward to our first baptism in this place where we get to baptize some people here. It's been amazing. And then beyond that, I'm looking forward to... Um, growing, uh, uh, planting another church one day. I don't know where, I don't know when, but hopefully God will reproduce us entirety. So we will send out a team to go and plant a church in another town, another place to reproduce and give the good news of Jesus. Does that sound exciting? That is good. That is where we're going. So we have a God-given purpose and direction as a church. The next thing I feel God wants to remind us about is in this house we preach God's word. We preach God's word. We have a purpose and direction, but we preach God's word. It is given primary place in our Sunday meeting. I don't know if you've ever thought about how we do our Sunday meeting. You probably haven't. You probably just come in here, go through it, and leave. You know when the kids go out. You know when the kids come in. You know where the tea and coffee and the toilets are. But the way we do our meeting, the way we structure it, is to give primary place to God's word. We come in. We have the focus at the beginning where we sing some songs and we put our eyes on Jesus to kind of get rid of all the stuff of the week, the day and say, it's all about you, Jesus, it's all about you. That's what the purpose of those songs are up front, to remind us. We tell the band we want them to be loud, upbeat, Jesus-focused, so we can all be like that. Put our eyes pulled off the mundane, all onto him. Then what do we do? We preach God's word. I know we have the notices in the world. We've got to be nice to be welcoming. I do that. Any news, you've got to do that. Then we preach God's word. And out the back of that is when we do the response, see what God wants to say to us. See how he wants to deal with us in that sense. So that's the why we do what we do in this meeting. And that's the way we've always done it, putting it up front so we can preach it, proclaim it, let the word of God affect us. And then we respond out of that to whatever he wants to do with us. And so we preach God's word. We believe the Bible is one big story. God's story, not our story, all about God, all about what he's doing with the world, and ultimately it all points to Jesus. It's all about him, it's all pointing to him. We believe the Old Testament and the New Testament ultimately find their fulfillment in Jesus alone. That's where it's all going, that's where the direction of history and life goes, and the big story of the Bible is all about coming towards Jesus and the nation of the world, eventually all worshipping him together. And so that's what we do. That's why we preach the Bible every day. On a practical note, this is what it says in 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, All Scripture, which just means the Bible, is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good word. What's the first thing? God's Word. Breathed out by God. The Bible is God's Word. If you've got your Bible here, please pick it up. And don't fob me off with the phone thing either. 
you know, a Bible. Pick it up. We believe Bible scripture, it's often referred to, is God's word to us. It's not about us, it's about him. It has huge relevance to us, and we should take incredible care of what we read and what we know in it, but it's God's word spoken to us. We believe it is the ultimate authority in life. Now, we lo- it doesn't cover everything. It won't tell you how to do open heart surgery. It won't tell you how to do, change the oil in your car or anything like that, but what it does speak about is of the highest authority. There is no authority above God's word, and what it talks about and what it, send, what it says will will cut, cut across everything else. Anything that sets itself up in opposition to God's word is wrong. Simple as that. If it contradicts what it says in here, it's wrong, this is right. The Bible is the ultimate authority. Take it above your head. Do this. Depending on how heavy your Bible is, this could be an easy thing or a good thing. By the way, the godliness is based on the thickness of your Bible. I'm just saying that. And the chunkiness of the word that you carry around. No. God's word is above us. We do not judge it, it judges us. Some people treat God's word like this. I will look down on it, I will judge it, I will tell it what to mean. No. It searches our hearts, it lays us open, it is the ultimate authority. It tells us right and wrong. We don't judge it, it judges us. How long shall I make you do this? Some of you are trying to whine, put them down. Put them down. When we preach it, when we proclaim it, we're bringing God's word to us, to the church. We believe that the Word of God transforms lives. It changes hearts. It brings sinners to repentance. It can heal um, the hurting and the broken. It can do an incredible amount of things. And that's why we proclaim it, because it is ultimately God's Word, not only. It's not the thoughts of man, any guru. It is God's Word to us today. What else does it say? It keeps us on the straight and narrow. It talks about reproof and correction in my translations. Other translations can say different things. But it basically is basically saying it stops us going astray. It's something to, to keep us on the straight and narrow. We all need this. If you don't believe that, just go out in the kids' work and observe the children. We all need things to keep us going on the straight and narrow because we all have the tendency to veer off and go our, our own way. So when we preach the God, God's word, we bring authoritative teaching and saying this is how we are to live life. This is right, this is wrong. This is what we shouldn't be doing. This is what we should be doing. This is how we should be living. These are examples that we should be looking at. And the Bible is applicable to so many areas of life in that way. It keeps us veering off course. And that's why we come back to it every single week. Proclaim it again and again and again to remind us, because if you're anything like me, you forget we're dull people. And we forget, and things go off our mind, and things pile in, and we, we can lose focus, even over a period of seven days. So we proclaim it again and again and again. The last thing it says, it trains and equips us. It helps us for life. The more you study God's Word, the more you listen to it, actually, the better you get at life. It's meant to help you. It's meant to train you. So what does it say? So the man of God is what? Competent and equipped for every good work. How do you serve God? How do you go about getting better at that? Well, you study his word. That's how you do it. That's why we teach it. And we have um, start, start many, covered many areas in our teaching of the Bible. Since we've been going to church, we've looked at Hebrews, which we're halfway through. We'll finish that before Easter. We've looked at all of Ephesians, all of the Gospel of John. We looked at Daniel and Jonah and Genesis and Proverbs. We've done Christmas uh, and Easter series, which have sort of jumped around, mainly Gospels and other bits. We've done the Freedom in Christ course, the Matthew. We've looked at one on work and all those things. Hopefully next, this year, I'm hoping 
to do after Christmas, a series on money and how we deal with that, and also get into the book of Joshua. So that's kind of hoping where I'm going to go. And when we study God's Word like that systematically, books at a time, it covers so many areas of life. One of the reasons we go, I like to go through whole books, it basically means you can't dodge anything. If you study a whole book of the Bible, you can't just pick your favorite nice bits, which is, God loves me, I'm awesome. You know, yeah, and actually avoid all the bits that are kind of a bit hard. And so that we've covered many areas in doing this. We've looked at whole areas of identity, of family, of sex, of God's purpose for our life, of sin, repentance, forgiveness, marriage, children, church, serving, giving, etc. And we will continue to do so as we move forward. And we, we, our practice most times will go through books of the Bible and deal with whatever comes up. Because that's God's way of teaching us and growing us in Him. And... If you look in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and we look at the early church and their model, you get this quite unnerving phrase. It says, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's talking about the church. That's they. That's us, the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What is that? Well, the apostles there, Jesus has gone back to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. Primarily for them, that would have been obviously the Old Testament, because they wouldn't have had a new one. They haven't written it yet. But that obviously gets included in. But it says they devoted. That's the key word take that word away. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And my challenge to you today, to us today, is are you devoted to the teaching of the Bible? Are you devoted? Because that's the word it's in. You know if someone's devoted to something. You just observe their life. You observe what they spend their time on, what they spend their energy on, what they spend their money on, what they're willing to sacrifice for. It's easy to see it. You can see in people lie, they're devoted to their, their, their children or their, their marriage or their job or their hobby. And some, they're not bad things. We're devoted to a lot of things. But actually, here, are we devoted to the teaching of God's Word? My challenge to you today is, are you devoted to your Bible? Because we've put all our sermons online, so there's no excuse for missing any of them. What God is saying to us as a particular church What's he doing? But are you generally devoted in your own personal time? Is it something that's important that I will spend my time reading God's word? I will let it teach me and shape me and guide me and move me forward. Take that away. Think about that because that's something we've been called to. Okay, last thing for today. Number three, in this house, we worship Jesus. Man, Phil, are you going to come? While it takes some, grab the microphone there. While it takes some time, okay, why don't you clap me? Because that's just nice. <laughs> Okay, good morning. Um, Stuart told us we've got a very, very strict 10 minutes maximum. Um, hence, we've written some notes to make sure we, we don't overrun. We've got this down to 7 minutes 30. So timing starts now, Stuart. Not from the long walk. Um, good morning, everyone. I'm Matt. Um, this is my wife, Phil. Um, we have two beautiful children, Delta, who's age 7, and get the names wrong, then, Blue, who's age 4. Just picturing them out in the new rooms. It was brilliant this morning, wasn't it, the way we dropped off our children? Didn't that go really well? That was excellent. Um, I'm, as of the Friday before Christmas at the end of term, I'm now an acting head teacher at a Christian all-through school in the centre of Birmingham. That was fun. Thank you. Didn't expect that. And, and Phil is a, is a mum, but has been gradually starting her own business and building that up over the last few years. Um, it's been really successful. It's amazing, honey. Um, we moved to Sutton six years ago at Easter to be part of Real Life Church. Okay, we, um, 
we're in charge of running the worship team here at Real Life, and we are so blessed to be able to do that. It's a really, a really big honor. Um, so we have a real heart for worship. We always have done. It's just something that we just feel God has put into um, the very fiber of who we are. We just love Jesus. We love music. Um, and we just love how God uses our passions um, uh, with his call, just intertwines them with his calling over our lives. So we've been collectively, very important that word, involved in worship separately and apart for almost 40 years. Collectively. We're not, we're not that old yet. <laughs> We have a real heart to see the people of God just freed up in worship. It's what really keeps us going. Um, we want to see people be released in their, in their corporate worship of him, in their private worship of him. Um, we want to help equip people to express their love of God through artistic expression, so through singing. I was going to say through dancing, but that's not entirely true, not our gifting. Um, but yeah, through, through worship, like we do on a Sunday morning, it's our real heart to see people freed up in that. We want to use songs and music to reveal a little bit of who God is and let God use us to help people encounter him. He is a beautiful, majestic, awesome, creative saviour king and we just want to worship him and we want to see other people freed up and released in doing the same. We long to see the presence of God just fall in this place as we sing and as we play. That is our real heart's cry. We want the presence of God to fall so heavily that people are saved and healed and delivered and freed just by walking in the building. That is our real desire to see that in this place. We just want to see the presence of God just change people's lives. We love seeing people encounter Jesus. We love singing and we love playing. We love music. But above all, when we worship at the front here, we love seeing people encounter Jesus. We love seeing him reach right into people's hearts and just whisper words into their ears that turn their lives around. We love seeing people brought to their knees at the foot of the cross as they catch a tiny little glimpse of what it was he did for us that day on that cross. We absolutely love the role we have here at Real Life Church. We are so grateful for it and we are so grateful that God has entrusted it to us. In terms of our journey um, so far at Real Life Church, um, we've been leading worship here for almost six years and it has been a roller coaster. It's, uh, we came to a church, we've got the promises on this side, haven't we? The large, influential, reproducing church. So we came to this church knowing it was going to be large, and that was really exciting. Um, so we got here six years ago, we got to Bannersgate Hall, and there was about 15 to 20 people, wasn't there? We had a microphone gaffer taped onto a stand, because for some reason we couldn't afford a 90p mic clip. I, I don't even know why. Um, um, but we, we got there. But... It's been really challenging. We moved from quite an established church into a, into a new church, designing, building this up from you know ground level into where we are today. And God has blessed us so much in that journey, um, and He's been faithful throughout it. Um, the nature of a church plant. We've had a lot of people join us. What I love about one of the things I love about our church is when people visit, they generally stay. And I think that just shows what God is doing amongst us. Um, but in terms of us as a team, we have had people join. We have had people leave for good reasons to go and be part of other churches, other church plants, other things around the country. So we've grown, we've shrunk, we've grown, we've shrunk. Um, it's Again, it's, it's just a challenge that's kept us on our toes. Um, but we love doing this, to echo what Phil said. By the grace of God, being able to grow a team of amazing worshippers, the guys who serve with us in the worship team are amazing. They give so much of themselves. They have beautiful hearts. They're going after God. They serve tirelessly. They're committed. They, they pray for us as a couple. They pray for all of you as a church. That's a key part of what we do on a Monday when we meet is praying for the church, the life of the church. 
Um, they step out and honor God. Um, they lead. And first and foremost, they're people that love Jesus and love to worship him. Um, you might not sort of realize this, but a lot of the people we have in the team have led worship in other settings. It's, it's a real, just a caliber of people that just love Jesus and completely sold out for Jesus. Um, when we're looking for new team members, that's what we're looking for. We obviously want skilled musicians, but they absolutely, without question, have to have a heart bursting for Jesus and a passion to see his people released in worship. Okay, Stu already mentioned a bit about what we do on Sunday mornings. So we have the upbeat kind of section of worship at the beginning. And as he said, the purpose of that is to just lift our eyes up and just focus on Jesus and to get us going a little bit. Although it's quite warm in here today, so that's good. Um, yeah, and then we have a slightly more reflective kind of responsive set after the preach uh, where quite often um, we hear God speaking and there's lots of prophetic contributions, which we love. That's just fantastic. We want to say thank you and well done to all those people who step out and bring things. It's, it's amazing. We love seeing God speak through you. We try and use as many new songs as we can. Um, we just love that God is a creator, designer God. He inspires creativity and fresh expressions um, and music is no exception to this. There's no limit to God's creativity, and this inspires us to search for new ways to worship him, new styles of song to write, new riffs to play, new lyrics to sing. Psalm 96 actually encourages us not to do things the same way all the time, but to sing a new song to the Lord, and we love this. Now, the Christian market at the moment is just saturated with worship songs. There's new stuff coming out all the time. There's loads of big churches that are just writing and writing, and some of the smaller ones too, um, and it's great. There's so, so much to choose from. We are really grateful to you guys as a congregation that you come with us on this because we couldn't do lots of new songs if, if you weren't with us on it. So we're really grateful that you, you happily pick them up, you sing them with us. Some we use all the time, some we do a couple of times and let go, but we really love that you're going with us on this journey. We're very grateful, so thank you. Every month, you may notice, we have an album of the month that comes out on the email. This is going to be a bit of a challenge. Can anyone tell me, this is shows if you've read your emails, what January's album of the month is? Oh, oh Bliss, that was quick. Oh, and see, because that was so good, you get a free copy of the CD. Well done. <laughs> yeah, this month's, copy, uh, this month's album is um, As Waters Rise. It's from Josh Gorton, who is the creative director at Gas Street over in the city. Um, it's a brilliant album. It is a bit different, okay? So it's not your usual kind of worship stuff that we would use on a Sunday, but please do give it a chance. It's awesome. But yeah, every, um, every month we put an album of the month out. And basically the reason for this is there is so much worship music out there at the moment that it can be tricky to listen to all of it or to you might miss some bits or just not really know what's out there. So what we try and do is listen to as much of it as possible. And then if there's one that we think is either particularly good or there's one um, that's got album songs on it that we will use in church on a Sunday, we will stick it on the email. So you can kind of have a listen um, and then get yourself a bit familiar with the songs that we might be using. And they're also really good just to be able to worship to at home. So it gives you another... Um, couple of recommendations to listen to there it does help us and it helps you if we're listening to some of the same music so if we do bring new songs on a Sunday they're not completely new if you've been listening to them at home there'll be that familiarity there so that's partly why we do it equally if you have any albums that you like or songs that you like and we don't do any of it in church please come talk to us we obviously can't listen to everything so please come and let us know we won't promise that we will use every song we get given but we really want to hear what you like what you're into what you listen to the songs we use on a Sunday will cover a variety of aspects of our walk with God, but one thing 
above everything, as you will already have heard from what Stu has been saying, that we aim to do is just point people towards Jesus. He is the center of everything we do. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the subject of our worship. He's our savior, our king, our Lord, and he alone is worthy of our praise. So in everything we play and sing, we want it to be crystal clear to anyone that walks in the building who it is we are singing about, who we are playing music to, who we are worshiping, who we are giving our lives to. Um, He is now and always will be the center of everything we do here at Real Life. Okay, so... I'm just kind of finishing off that practical bit. We've also got lots of people at Real Life Church, and hopefully you realise this, who write songs, write lyrics, music, poetry. Um, and it's been prophesied us as a, over us as a church, also as many of the individuals from their other settings they've come from, that we would write songs, make CDs, and that kind of the reach of our worship would be beyond what we do here in this building as part of Real Life Church, but it would have a wider influence. Um, we're really trying to step out in this. We recorded two of our Real Life songs that my wonderful wife, Philippa, wrote last year. Um, and we recorded those. They've gone out on SoundCloud. But, and there is more. I promise you there's more. We had David May. He used to write songs. We've used some of Abby's songs already on a Sunday. And there's another of other songs from other people as well in the pipeline that we'd like to record, that we'd like to use. Some people have given us some lyrics, and we're sort of compiling at home a bit of a bundle of lyrics that people have written that will help us when we're sort of writing songs. We can draw upon those lyrics and those ideas. So do share with us, um, because this is something that God said is going to happen, and already we've got this wealth of um, resources building up. So if you've got anything like that, music, lyrics, whole songs, little snippets, themes, um, we believe God has put a grace on us for this, so we want to push some more doors, so do talk to us um, and do share those things with us. Um, so bringing this into land, um, what do we need from you guys? A bit of practical application as we finish. Um, about 20 years ago, I gave my life to Christ in a p- kind of proper and powerful way, and for me, the reason I did that was the revelation of the relationship that Jesus wanted to have with me. He'd, he'd show me that actually in my childhood I'd asked for a lot of things, but I'd never really sat down and built that relationship with Jesus. Um, and that's kind of what, why we do what we're doing. We, we stand up here and we tell Jesus how amazing he is. Um, I wouldn't go home every night, hopefully, and tell Phil how beautiful she is in the same way. I probably wouldn't buy the same present every day, unless it was a diamond ring. Um, but I, I find different ways to express my love for Phil. And in the same way, we want to find different ways to express our love for Jesus. But then we also allow time for Jesus to speak back to us. I'm not saying that Phil has to praise me when I come home and say, I love you too. But often that's the way it works, isn't it? One person expresses love and the other person does. Not. Um, so it's the same with Jesus. And it's about that two-way relationship. So we want to keep pushing in together into worshipping God. And we'd ask you to come on a Sunday ready to hear from him, spend a bit of time in the morning getting your hearts and heads ready, excited, telling your children we're going to church because we're going to praise Jesus together, um, ready to lift his name up, ready to let him speak. Um, We want desperate people to involve their children as you do in worship. We love seeing them dancing, singing, making noise. We always have the shakers and the instruments out. Um, And we love that we've got a church where the kids um, are celebrated and made to feel a part of what we do. And those moments where they come in and they tell us what's going on in kids' work as well. And we hear about their salvation. It's it's wonderful. Um, Please 
Let's have a go at stepping out in the prophetic. Don't leave it to others because you think what they have to say might be better than what you've got. God uses everyone. Step out. Give it a go. Um, Very quickly, this is slightly aside. Um, I felt this morning we talked about moving into a new building and unpacking boxes, like when you move into a new house. And I really felt quite strongly that we've got, we've got practical, physical boxes to unpack. But I also think there's some spiritual boxes. And I think as we unpack the boxes, as we move into this new building, um, we're going to find things. You know, those of you, who's moved house? You moved house in boxes? You find things in boxes you've forgotten about? Have you done that? And you think, oh, my word, I haven't seen this for years. I think there's some gifts in those boxes as we unpack them. You're going to think, oh, my word. I've forgotten I used to prophesy. I've forgotten that I used to pray for the sick and they were healed. So I just encourage you to step out and give it a go. Um, If you do play an instrument or sing, you're part of a life group. You're committed to the church. And above all, you love Jesus with all you have. Come and chat to us because we do want to hear from you. We do want to build the team. But hopefully this has given you a sense of who we are. Um, we're all in this together, we're all on the journey together, we're glorifying our saviour together, talk to us. Anything you want to know, questions, suggest, just come and talk to us, because we're here and we're very accessible. Okay, and finally, we just want you to know that we love you all, and we love the church that God is building here. We pray for you, we seek God's heart for you, where he wants us to go as a congregation, we do this all the time. We want Real Life Church to be a church that is known for its ability to worship, through the good, through the bad, through the tough, and in the fun times, we want to be known as a people who know who they are in Christ, and out of this understanding, glorify Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's just finish up, and then we're going we're gonna to worship God together. I just I want to say it publicly that God gives many gifts to the church, but they often come in the shape of people. And Matt and Phil are a gift to this church. They've been a gift since the beginning when they basically felt God's call and say, we want to come with you, we want to do this. And much of what this church looks like is because of them. It's because of what God's put on them and their heart to serve and love us. So I just want to honor you guys publicly. You are a gift to us as a church and what they have. Can we give them a clap again? They are amazing. They're a gift to us. Okay, just to remind us, In this house, we have a God-given purpose and direction. God has a plan for us, and he is fulfilling it. He is continuing to fill it. Us being here is evidence of it being started. In this house, we preach God's word. It's something we should be devoted to. It's something we should be called to. It's something that we should, should shape our lives and be a defining part of who we are. And lastly, in this house, we worship Jesus because he is the one who is the object of our faith. He is the one that we love above everything. I love in your life groups this week. Uh, when you meet together um, to chat and you eat, start with eating and you get around to chat, I'd love you to chat about how your Bible reading is going, what you're reading, what you've read recently, how it's going. Did you read Hebrews along with that? You're going to finish with that. New Year, often people start stuff, Bible reading plans, etc., etc. Talk about that. And then I'd love you to spend some time worshiping Jesus, putting some, some of this stuff into place. Sing together, pray together, pray for one another, use spiritual gifts, have an excellent time. Amen? Amen. Do you want to stand up? I'm going to pray to finish, and with the band come up, and we're going to worship God with singing. You just want to close your eyes. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for what you've done in this place.
Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for how you've brought us here today. So many of us from so many different places, so many different stories that ended up here, Lord, but we thank you that you are sovereign Lord over all things. Lord, we thank you that you are a good God who loves us and loves his church. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've blessed us in so many ways. We thank you you will continue to do that. Lord God, fill us now with your spirit that we may worship you, that we may love you, we may put our heart and our focus on you. Yeah, God's people said.